Hey, this is Stephen Tobolowsky. You're listening to the Mixtape Podcast. Put on your seatbelt. This one is a doozy. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Who has a mixtape? Who needs a mixtape? Who makes a mixtape? Who needs a mixtape? there comes that moment when you're watching the video and you're like afraid of what's going to happen as soon as you hit the unmute because everybody's yeah. dancing and boogieing yeah. in their <laughs> seats. And you're like, as soon as I hit unmute, bad things could happen. Hey, yeah. guys, welcome to the Mixtape Podcast. I'm Jason Emmett. I'm Casey Masterpiece. And I'm Twisted Kid Matt. And we're here today to talk to you about your Lord and Savior. <laughs> Jesus Christo. Happy Sunday morning. It is Sunday Sunday morning. I mean, it is. It is Sunday morning, and this is our church, my friends. This is how we celebrate. And we're going to celebrate. By the way, let's pass the collection plate right now. (laughs) Follow us on Patreon. Matt, quit putting garbage in the collection plate. We're kind of running a little low on funds. It is because we keep going out and buying new equipment because me and Matt will talk about something and, like, there's. We should probably do that moving down the road. Yeah, let's do that. And then two days later, hey, I went out and bought that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, let's have let's... a goddamn gremlin next week. And <laughs> Dude, I was at, uh, so the Gremlins 2 episode is up on our YouTube channel. Please go over and check that out now. Yeah. <laughs> Not right now, but like after do this, it. go do it. Yeah. Uh, I was at uh, Walmart yesterday, of all places, and they have gizmo dolls over in the electronics section. Like, you know where you go over and find the Funko Pop and stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they have oh, Gizmo. Yeah. Like, plush. Plush Gizmo. Yeah, but, like, <laughs> it's weird. Like, weird timing that we do the show. Like, when was the last oh, time I saw it? Oh, it's a leather Gizmo. Ooh, a leather oh, Gizmo. Gizmo. They call him Gipmo. <laughs> Gipmo. <laughs> Gipmo. <laughs> Uh, I love Straight the out of Cuba. I lo- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker named Get Gizmo. <laughs> I, I think you misunderstood me, but yeah, we'll we'll talk about him being from Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> yeah. Get- That's not what I said. But- Get Mo. He said Gimp. I was, I was talking about not the Get Gimp. Like like oh a gimp, gimp, gimp oh, no yeah. not get mo something different <laughs> oh man yours sounds creepier than mine i'll say that he yeah. said gimp mo he like heard get mo straight out of guantanamo yeah. bay <laughs> it's the name of his that's album that's good comedy right there oh god i love these episodes where we're gonna have guests on <laughs> when we start off like this uh things get a oh, little yeah. crazy but that's okay <laughs> this week we're gonna be talking <laughs> This week we're going to be Good talking time. about swing music, and we actually have an interview coming on later, so uh, you will enjoy it a lot, I think, because uh, it's really cool. So we did kind of decide, decide like a while back we need to do a swing episode uh, because there was a huge swing music revival in the 90s, and I really got into it. And Matt, I realized on last week's yep. show, 
I never told you when we went to get off. I said there's a ska band that did a uh, remake of a song that will be on the next episode that also went into punk and stuff. And you're like, oh, I'm interested to hear. It was Save yeah, Ferris. You never told me. Yeah, Save oh, Ferris. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. Save Ferris was ska, but then they kind of shifted down the road. Yeah. They don't really do ska much anymore. It's mostly just punk. But we'll talk about it on another episode. But I realized I never followed up with you on that. So everybody know that yeah, Save Ferris curious. will be talked about at some point. Yeah. Last week's episode was remakes. Who did it better? So actually, that two weeks ago. Oh, I'm all off. Two weeks ago, episode was remakes. Who did it better? So go back and listen to that one as well. Um, but on that episode, we literally talked about songs, and then we played both versions of the kind of popular remake, and we determined which one we liked better. Overall, I think it was kind of interesting to see where everybody fell on that. It was kind of some mixtures of original and remake, mm-hmm. I think. So, but this week we're going to be talking about swing music and. We had kind of discussed that it needed to happen, and when it was brought up, I decided to reach out and see if we could get a certain somebody on the show, and uh, as luck would have it, he said, sure. So uh, later on this episode, we're going to be talking to Jimbo Mathis, who is the lead singer for a band you might remember if you were into the swing era at all, Squirrel Nut Zippers, and we're going to talk about that too. Uh, We're going to talk about the band and where their name came from and all that fun stuff, although I might let Jimbo tell you that because it'll probably yeah. be more fun if he does. But we thought rather than just do a Squirrel Nut Zippers episode, we want to do like a swing revival episode and then let him top it off with some of his thoughts. So that's what we're here to do. Hey, I did mention the YouTube channel. Please go over and check that out. We've been working hard over there. Uh, Matt, how can people find the YouTube channel? Well, you go to YouTube and search by the handle. <laughs> well, that's a good start. What the fuck? Yeah, it's, go to YouTube. Well, Go to YouTube first, dumbass. Google it. Uh, You'll find it. Although you may, you know, encounter a thousand, um, you know, other shows named mixtape or the mixtape. But uh, yeah, you can search for uh, YouTube handles now. So it's just at the mixtape podcast on YouTube, and I will quickly. Yeah. Pop over well, not in the at, that. in the at one. It's the mixtape podcast. If you're just doing a search, do yeah, it's all one the mix tape podcast. Sorry if I confused anybody out there. Yeah, That's okay. Just, just if you are searching it by just the Google name, make sure mixtape is two words. If you're doing the yeah. handle search, just do at the mixtape podcast. All one word. All one word. Yeah. Yep. Right. Shouldn't have any trouble. And uh, the link for that is going to be on the website, which and it's is always on our themixtapepod.com and in the show notes. Yeah. The mixtapepod.com and it's always on the show notes too. So in other words, if you're listening, this should be able to look down and see it. Click on it, go over there. Yeah. Please subscribe and enjoy the videos we put up there. Um, our most recent one was, well, depending on when this goes up, <clears throat> there might be another one up there. I don't know. It takes Matt a little bit of time to get the edits done on everything, but the uh, Gremlins 2 one is up there and ready to go. And then we will have one of our mini Twisted episodes going up there soon too. Uh, there's a Stay Rewind Toys. That. Hey, for those of you out there who enjoyed Rewind Toys, it's back. It's just going up on YouTube yeah. now. So you can go over there and check that out. So, And our first episode on the muscle figurines is live now. He called them figurines. <laughs> what the fuck are they? Action figurines. They don't move. They're not poseable. Well, they're, they're, they're not precious moment. <laughs> <laughs> Although it would be great if they I'll did. They have muscles precious moment figurine. That'd be great. Just got a giant head. And I would like it. Yeah. Just like swole as fuck. And I school you on some of that because it's funny because I grew up always thinking so muscles always dealt with um, 
wrestling, right? Which actually originally it did not. They were cosmic wrestlers. So I always thought that they took the look off of them from luchadors, but they do not. That is not where the look of Muscle Man came from. But they do kind of have a luchador look. Actually, came yeah, kind of, yeah, luchador vibe to them. Yeah, they actually stole the look, not stole, but we're kind of parodying superheroes of the time, like Ultraman. Created it, yeah, yeah. So if you look at Ultraman, you'll totally get it too. Like, oh, that's like the fin on his head and everything. I get it. So mm. anyway, go over and check that out. But to this week, we're going to be talking about swing music. We're going to be talking about the kind of popular uprising of swing music in this '90s revival that happened. And some of the big bands and how we think the whole thing got started and so on and so forth. And then we're going to feature the interview, come back and close out the show. So let's get started by talking about swing music, that this this revival, like I keep saying, that happened in the 90s that a lot of people actually didn't call it. They called retro swing or uh, neo swing. So this, these are real common phrases for what this 90s revival was, you know, retro swing was, you're going to hear that a lot. So this renewed interest in swing music starts, it begins somewhere around 1989 and then it hit its peak in the late 90s. So it starts kind of coming back on the scene slowly in 89, like live, right? But by the late 90s, it's like all these bands are coming out. They're recording albums, releasing albums, and they're they're hitting on the charts. Uh, the music itself is generally rooted in big bands of the swing eras of like the 30s and 40s. But it's also really strongly influenced by the rockabilly sound that came out in the 80s, so much so that... Mm. One particular artist, <laughs> yeah, who was yeah. on the rockabilly scene, actually <laughs> a landed whole new revival. Um, actually yeah. hit landed even harder if you think about. It. I mean, Stray Cats was a huge band, yeah. but the Brian Setzer Orchestra was like massive, and I'm pretty yes. sure that they did bigger numbers than the Stray Cats did. So, and and he was, you know, rockabilly was. If, if you don't know what rockabilly is, go listen to the Stray Cats. You'll be fine. Yeah, you'll, you'll figure there's it out. There's a lot of there's a lot of genres of music of music that have a Billy at the end of it. You got punk, a Billy rock, a Billy psycho, Billy. There's all kinds. Is there of like things. a metal Billy? Um, <laughs> probably. <laughs> and if so, I'm going to be looking it up metal after Billy. we're done here. I like that. It's like, I want to sort of like out. the Smurfs or rock music. Once you think of metal, it. Billy, yeah. metal, metal Billy, metal Billy, um, that, that might actually fall under psycho Billy a little bit. There. Uh, is there uh, a gangsta Billy? Gangsta um, Billy needs to exist. Metal Billy. Uh, <laughs> Top metal Billy artist. This there is a th- there you go. This is a hip hop hip hop a Billy. Uh, <laughs> Scott Billy. There's a metal uh, Billy band called Billy. Penis. Um, I swear. Oh, here we go. We're going. We are. Yeah. All right, Jason's going to steer back towards the road now. Oh, I'm taking the wheel. I'm a little scared. We're gonna we're gonna turn uh, back towards the road. Yeah. Here we go. Hank Williams the third okay. is a prominent yeah, feature. Oh, we're back on the road. So metal Billy. I mentioned that it started around 1989. We were in some other lane. Yeah. I don't know where we were going. Wow, right. Um, the formation of a, of an early pa- a couple of early bands, Royal Crown Re- Review and the Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, uh, Cherry Pop and Daddies, uh, LeVay Smith and her Red Hot Skillet Liquors. These were all some of the like early, <laughs> that's the name, LeVay and Smith you guys were going and on Red about Hot Camel Skillet Camel Liquors. Um, and these were some of the early bands that kind of set the swing thing off. They put it in swing, one might say. Ha! Um, so much of it, much of the early revival was, was centered around the Brown Derby in LA. Uh, they would have swing bands come. And again, this, we're not, we're talking in the late eighties, early nineties, this is taking place. 
they would have swing bands come and play, and they would offer free swing lessons while this was going on. This started right about 1993. Uh, also, in 1993, we had the Christian Bale movie, Swing Kids, which it was about a group of teens in Germany pre-World War. They would dance the night away in a swing club. And Have you guys seen Swing Kids? I have not. Um, I, I think I have, like, a long-ass time. Yeah, ago, it's like, been a while. I remember not, like, loving it but not hating it. It is a real early Christian Bale movie, like teenage <laughs> Christian Bale. So Yeah, yeah, um, that scratchy voice of his got a little annoying. It was in a few I'm things. a swing kid. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the drugs? <laughs> Where's the DJ? <laughs> <laughs> Then another movie comes out, and you guys may not have realized how impactful it was on the swing revival, but it was. The Mask. The Mask comes out about this yeah. time as well. Yeah. First it, album I ever bought. A lot of influence. With the There's a whole scene yeah. that takes place in the club, in a club, and the Royal Crown Review is the band that is playing during that yep. scene. Mm-hmm. So, again, and he's wearing, like, zoot suits. I mean, so this whole scene is, like plays into it again. So we're starting to see where the influences of the revival are coming from and it's kind of picking up and people are kind of like, Oh yeah, I remember that's kind of fun stuff. So it started to spread and we get, um, the lucky strikes, atomic fireballs, and of course, squirrel nut zippers, uh, who in 1997 were the first swing band to hit the charts reaching number 13. Then another movie comes along. This one's called swingers swingers yep. and swingers features a band called big bad voodoo daddy. So we're seeing the like growth. We we can track mm-hmm. like okay, the Brown showing Derby showing up in a lot of movies. Yeah. The Brown Derby starts having these bands play and people are enjoying swing music and the next thing you know a movie it shows up and then another movie and another movie and yep. I think people are greatly well, it showed up in one of my home movies. But. <laughs> like, I don't want to watch your home swing movies. Then you wear the way. Um, so in 1998, I, ha- I have like a slide whistle solo in that, but going ahead. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you just go on though. Um, 1998 cherry pop and daddy's release zoot, zoot suit, riot, which goes double platinum. Then Brian Setzer orchestra goes double platinum in the same year with dirty boogie after covering jump, jive and whale, which won a Grammy. So now we're seeing it's, it's huge, right? At this point we've got, yeah. You know, their re-release of Jump, Jive, and Whale. Yeah. Then comes the infamous Gap commercial. If you guys don't remember the infamous Gap commercial that's that's featuring swing music and all the kids wearing khakis and and dancing around, a lot of people think this might have been when it was on its way out as well, though. Yeah, once corporate America jumps on the bandwagon, it's probably... uh, they start going, no, this isn't cool anymore. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, we started to sell out. It was the gap. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't yeah. know. But that commercial is actually very famous. If you go- if you Google it right now or go onto YouTube right now and put the oh. gap swing commercial, it will come up. It was like hugely famous. It was oddly famous for a TV commercial, which is Yeah. We should we should do more episodes. I think early, early on we did a um commercial episode. Do you guys remember that? we talked about yeah 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 Yeah. that was pre pre you yeah pre me pre you pre me but (laughs) shout out to all the preemies out there (laughs) okay just because we love you much love uh (laughs) so i want to actually talk to the old babies in in hospitals everywhere (laughs) listening to the show but i actually want to talk about a few of the songs and bands we just mentioned and show how swing music influenced some of us at the time like some of us at the Mm. time 
So I think we can all agree on um, the biggest hitters when it came to swing music. We had the Cherry Poppin' Daddies, Big Bad Voodoo Daddies, Squirrel Nut Zippers, and Brian Setzer Orchestra. These were probably amongst the largest like swing bands out at the time. Um, I personally owned albums from all of these guys. Mm-hmm. I danced to their stuff on a regular at the club we used to go to. I've seen Brian Setzer Orchestra in concert, which was amazing. Um, and coming into this as a Rockabilly and Stray Cats fan, that really didn't hurt. I mean, I like the Stray Cats, so I don't remember which like band was my first like foray into the world of swing. And I don't want to th- – it might have been Brian Setzer, but I don't think it was. I think it was probably Big Bad Voodoo Daddy or Cherry Poppin' Daddies. I can't remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was probably – if it was Zoot Suit Riot, that's Cherry Poppin' Daddies, right? So – uh, Cherry Pop and Daddies, um, they're a swing ska band out of Eugene, Oregon. They hit the scene back in 1989, and of course their most famous song is Zoot Suit Riot. Uh, they were formed by singer-songwriter Steve Perry. You heard me. <laughs> I checked. Journey? And I was like, <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> that would have been a, t- a whole different version. Zoot Suit yeah. Riot. <laughs> there would have been some different stuff going on there, but no, it wasn't that one. Uh, Steve Perry and bassist. Someday love will find you. Yay! Someday love will find you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and bassist Dan Schmidt was one of the founding members. Oh, um, they were The band was strongly influenced by jazz and blues. Uh, they feature a large horn section, um, as most of these do, but these guys were one of the ones. Brian Setzer, if you go see him live, man, it's amazing. Like, it, it is a giant brass band behind him. Like, it's, it's like 30 people. It's like the Ed Sullivan's show or some shit. It's really cool. It's like and, Wu-Tang Clan. And Brian Setzer standing there holding a guitar that's as, every bit as big as he is, which is pretty amazing, too, because he's a little dude. He's a little dude. Uh, so the Big Bad Voodoo Daddies gained wider recognition uh, touring nationally with the American ska scene before ultimately breaking into the musical mainstream with their 1997 swing compilation, Zoot Suit Riot, which was the name of the album and the song. Uh, they broke up in 2000, then got back together in 2002. Their 11th album, the punk and ska-influenced Bigger Life, was released in June of 2019, so they're still doing stuff like today. Uh, then we have a little band called Big Bad Voodoo, Voodoo Daddy. Some of their biggest hits were Go Daddy O and one of my favorites, You and Me and The Bottle Makes Three Tonight. That song is awesome and a lot of fun. Um, they came from Southern California. These guys were a pretty big uh, band at the time. They even played at the, at Super Bowl, what was it, 33 during the halftime show, which is kind of weird. Like, because these days, they, I don't always like who they pick. Do we even know who's playing this year? Have we heard any rumblings of who's playing Super Bowl this year? That is a good question. Although last year's Super Bowl, that, that was, was a pretty, pretty good show. Yeah. yeah. But why won't they just let Weird Al play, damn it? Everybody wants to see it happen, so why I don't they do it? it? And Total you know they're all, they're all listening to Gangsta's you know, not, not Paradise. They're listening to Amish Paradise. He said get, he'd uh, do it. For the show. So why not? Hell yeah, he'd do it. I think anybody would do it. Especially if it didn't make sense. I just don't understand why they don't. Anyway. Uh, just ask. You know, so, the, do. so yeah. Big Bad Voodoo Daddy played at Super Bowl 33 in 1999. The leader of the band is Scotty Morris. Not the Scott Morris we know, though. I checked. <laughs> we have a friend named Scott Morris who does the Disney Indiana podcast. Turns out he's not in he's Big not Bad Voodoo Daddy. Daddy. So, uh, the band was named Big Bad... Me. <laughs> 
the band was named Big Bad Voodoo Daddy after Scotty Morris met blues guitarist legend Albert Collins at one of um, at one of his concerts, uh, and he said that Collins signed my poster to Scotty, the Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. He stated in and the he stated in punk and ska bands, and later found Big Bad Voodoo Daddy with Kurt Sodengren. I don't. I'm, I'm just trying to read these notes. They're weird. It's not my fault. <laughs> It is my fault because I wrote them, but it's still say, not yeah, my you fault. You wrote it, but sure. Yeah. Next up on the list, uh, we have a band called Squirrel Nut Zippers, and their infamous, infamous song, Hell. Uh, Matt said that he's he does what he always does. When we, we're getting ready to talk to somebody, we kind of deep dive into their music, and, and Matt's been yeah. listening to Squirrel Nut Zippers this week. And he's like, hey, they're pretty great. Uh, they formed in 1993 in Chapel Hill, North Carolina by James Jimbo Mathis on vocals and guitar, Tom Max- Tom Maxwell on vocals and guitar, Catherine Whalen, vocals, banjo, and ukulele, Chris Phillips on drum, Don Rayleigh on bass guitar, and Ken Mosher. Um, like we said, they found some commercial success during the swing revival in the 90s with the song Hell, written by Tom Maxwell. The band's name comes from a newspaper story about an intoxicated man who climbed a tree and refused to come down even after the police arrived. Now, I'm going to let Jimbo tell a little bit more about why they chose the band name, but I never knew that Squirrel Nut Zipper refers to a variety of bootleg moonshine. So this is apparently, we'll let him talk about, yeah. So these guys are awesome. Another story, but yeah. They, um... They actually performed in the 96 Summer Olympics, and they actually performed at President Clinton's second inaugural ball. So, again, huge, huge band at the time. Uh, they've also been included in movies like, or on shows like Prairie Home Companion and uh, The Tonight Show, Late Show with David Letterman, Conan O'Brien, Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve. So, again, if you guys were not a part of the swing revival, you need to understand that they're for about four or five years, it just made a huge comeback. It was everywhere. I We got one more band to talk about, which was Brian Setzer. But, like, we would go to the clubs, the normal club, like the club with the dance club we'd go to every Friday or Saturday night, and then they would do a chunk of the night where they would just stop and play swing music, and we would all be out on the floor mm-hmm. freaking doing our best interpretation of swing dancing. <laughs> None of those really knew what we were doing, but we tried. It was a lot of, like, fingers in the air. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not I'm Struck not off saying. My ass trying to do the Charleston. <laughs> I would pay money to see Kevin. Twenty can do, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Charleston. Hello, my baby. <laughs> oh, oh I ain't doing that shit. Hang on. <laughs> they racist ass frog. <laughs> <laughs> Why was he racist? Why was the frog racist? He was, he was it just green. Kind of mimics the whole like blackface era with the the frog. Wait, wait, no, you guys are schooling me. About? You guys are schooling me. I didn't know it, that this was this was racist. Yeah, Dave Chappelle. Damn it, uh, yeah, Chappelle had a whole joke uh, about it. You guys do yeah. this to me all the time on the show. I'm like, damn it, I never knew that. It was about the it was about the WB frog. WB, yeah, yeah, and just kind of look at Al Josen's old like. Clips. Yeah. Really? Kinda, I never fucking there's knew a this. Similarity Damn there, it, yeah. guys. Yeah, it, it's one of those things that, like, when you I look at it like, this, as yeah. a kid, you're thinking like you don't think anything. No, of it. I had and no clue. Older, it's like, oh, okay, that got a little weird. Never Actually, knew. All those Looney Tunes, 
the cartoons like from oh no the yeah there's some back on, there on back. yeah you can find them on uh youtube you but of course YouTube, they're yeah. hard to find anywhere else yes there are some definite right. references there's a reason why you don't yeah. see all those old cartoons yeah. there's a lot the, yeah. the reference in space balls too so that's yeah oh yeah oh yeah that's that's the, the, yeah but the, the so let's with the alien that Let's dances out of the chest. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goes, yeah. He's like, oh, no, not again. It's so good. <laughs> I love that movie. Spaceballs is a great movie, man. Uh, so Brian Setzer Orchestra, Jump, Jive, and Whale, they do a cover of Jump, Jive, and Whale in uh, 1990. And it is, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. They formed, The Brian Setzer Orchestra formed in 1990. 1998 is when they have the Dirty Boogie album that has the cover of Jump, Jive, and Whale, and it's amazing. Like, I love the, the original Jump, Jive, and Whale, but Brian Setzer's version just kills. It It comes on, I'm ready to go. So the original came out in 1957. Um, it's uh, Louis Prima that did, did the original Jump, Jive, and Whale. Uh, in the 70s, Brian Setzer would listen to jazz music and big band music at the Village Vanguard and was also drawn to blues, rock, punk, and, of course, rockability. Rocketability? Rocketability! Rockability! Rocketability! I don't have it, yeah, I so I can't uh, hit it today. I'm sorry. Stroke! Stroke! <laughs> Thank you. <Stroke! laughs> Thank you. Uh, he really enjoyed what they called jump blues of, of Louis Prima. It was, this, this is a style of music called jump blues. Um, and he also enjoyed Big Joe Turner, as well as the rock and roll of Elvis Presley, Eddie Cochran, Gene Vincent, and Carl Perkins. So when you hear all of these things together, you hear blues, you hear jazz, and you hear early rock music. Those things fused together, is that's kind of what rockabilly is, right? You have blues, jazz, and early rock and roll music to like a, all kind of fuse together in like more of an upswing. And that's, it, it, go listen to any straight, Stray Cat Strut or Rock This Town, any of them, you'll kind of get the idea of what you're hearing. So... Uh, as fate would have it, like I said, we managed to get in touch with Jimbo Mathis. Um, he is the lead singer of Squirrel Nut Zippers. Um, he also has done a ton of stuff solo and like has an amazing background, which you're going to hear. It is really cool. We talk all the time about some of the cool people we've managed to get on the show. Uh, and it's really important that you guys like understand that, yeah, we want to talk to him about the thing, the, the huge thing, you know, where they're known for Squirrel Nut Zippers. But to hear the backgrounds of some of these people, I'll give you a good example. Linda Perry, like we would love to get Linda. Linda, if you're listening, please come on the show. But everybody knows yeah. Four Non Blondes, right? How many people are paying attention to all the incredible shit she has done behind the scenes since Four Non Blondes? She has produced some amazing music, man. She's done stuff. She's worked with all kinds of artists. And that's what people like this do. Jimbo is like prolific in music to this day. And he's helping to maintain art forms uh, we talked a couple of weeks ago, and I mentioned Gary Jules, and Matt gave me some crap because I made a comment about folk music. Not that many people listen to folk music, but there is a group of people that do, and you have an artist like Gary Jules that is maintaining this style of music. And I, I, I we, we, there needs to be appreciation, I think, because Jimbo is out there actually learning about some of the early artists and early influences and paying homage to them with what he does. Uh, Jim West, very similar stuff. He went and learned an entire style of music and and is still like introducing that to the world. So they take their fame, which is great, 
and then they go learn other stuff and they use that to introduce it. I think it's amazing. So yeah, we are lucky enough to have these people on the show. We're lucky enough to have Jimbo on the show. We're going to talk to him a little bit about his career, about Squirrel Nut Zippers, about the swing, his thoughts on the swing revival. And uh, we thought, what better place to drop in an interview than right here? So we're going to go ahead. We're going to kick off that interview. And we're going to come back. We're going to close out this episode. So let's kick it over to Jimbo Mathis of Squirrel Nut Zipper. Hey, is this Jimbo? Yes, it is. Hey, this is Matt from the Mixtape Podcast, and I got you on here with Jason. Hey, how's it going? Hey, <laughs> Matt and Jason. Hello. Hello, sir. Glad we were able to get a hold of you. So, Yeah, uh, thanks for including me. I appreciate it. Yeah, we just kind of wanted to uh, ask you about, about your life and career. And Oh, my um, Lord. Okay. Yeah. That's a very loaded question. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> that ought to be interesting. I like the wow. That, we'll, we'll give some yep. guidance along the way. We promise. Yeah. You're just not going to leave me in. Like, and go. <laughs> Start from day one. Yeah. Well, it all started in a <laughs> small town in Mississippi. What kind of led you to start playing music? Like, what was your early influences? Well, I grew up, um, uh, I grew up in a small town in northeast <clears throat> Mississippi. And so I grew up uh, with my father and uh, a lot of family members played instruments, you know, just uh, yeah. socially for fun. They were quite good at it. But it does run in my family, going back to um, like to Scotland and Italy and different places. So I started with um, my dad, my uncles and cousins playing on the weekends, you know, for like social events family reunions, funerals, and just for our own amusement. So I started doing that. I started joining in when I was like about six. Wow. Yeah, Jay and I both come from fairly musical families yeah. as well. So Yeah, my parents. My, uh, I got, uh, you know, uncles who all play like bluegrass. So I kind of grew up around a lot of the bluegrass style of music. And, and then Jay, you know, he's got the classic rock classic side rock. as well, too. Yeah. yeah. My parents were nice. were always in some form of classic rock band, or uh, my stepdad had a recording studio. So for a long time, I was gotcha. just always in the world of music. So it's it's one of those things for Matt and I that we just we really like when we discuss music with with musicians. We love to hear where their roots come from and and where their in early Ooh. influences were and things yeah. along those lines. So. Yeah, well, you know how it is in with us because we just, you know, we did it for fun. You know, we didn't sure. really. Yeah. They didn't have. They didn't have. Uh, like you're talking about growing up around bluegrass players. Well, I did the same thing. You know, a lot of country and folk, honky tonk, <laughs> Luke Southern uh, folk music. You know, and uh, it was very popular pastime for us to do every weekend, and we would actually travel. You know, go do it other places too. And uh, so I got my start real young age just with like social music, you know. Sure. Never really had gigs or PAs or microphones or anything like that, <clears throat> but uh, definitely stayed at it. And then I just really took to it, you know, and uh, branched out and started trying to learn how to do the blues and rock and roll and then eventually jazz and vaudeville and all that other stuff I learned. But, you know, just all came from learning by ear just as a kid, you know, a little kid. Um, sitting there and uh, they'd let me play with them you know as long as I wanted to you know and they never excluded me or, or 
are very open. So I learned a lot about music, the social aspect of it, entertaining yeah. and being kind of the ringleader, um, like my dad. Too. Good way to bond with the family, too. So We've, we've talked to a lot of different types of musicians and styles of musicians, and it's always interesting to us to hear like where what some of your early musical influences were. Like, what kind of stuff were you listening to growing up that inspired you? Yeah, well, initially it was the bluegrass stuff and the folk music stuff. So, like, um, obviously Bill Monroe and Flat and Scruggs are the first ones. Jimmy Martin, Jimmy Rogers singing Brakeman, Carter Family, and the album like Will the Circle Be Unbroken? You know, I, that was like a real big one. It's uh, influential on me because I could tell even then it was like a mixture of like younger guys going back and finding the older. You know, they tell the story pretty eloquently in the liner notes and all that. But I really studied that album a lot and it shaped me a lot just as far as being like almost like a folklorist approach that I've taken. And also like going after and studying with older musicians so, you know, I learned that from my dad, uh, obviously, and them, but also, you know, learning like what the nitty gritty dirt band did with Roy Acuff and all the old guys sure. they went and tracked down and made them play music with these dope smoking hippies, you know, <laughs> um, and that's kind of been a big part of my life, that pursuit. And then, you know, after that, I started seeing like on tv you know we got cable and stuff and then i saw like rock and roll high school by the ramones and that was just a real eye-opener i probably saw that when i was like 14 i think we've got cable so i saw that and then so i was really kind of started getting into like the the alternative music that was going on of course that was before my time but i was picking up on it sure and then started track tracking that down and eventually and then all the alternative stuff kind of ended up in a dead end for me. And I just realized I wanted to go back and really learn like all the roots of everything, you know, like I didn't want to like worry about work, learning the Rolling Stones. You know, I wanted to learn like Robert Johnson and Furry Lewis and stuff, you know, like I wanted to learn what they knew, Jimmy Reed and stuff, you know, so. And that just took me all the way back, man. And, you know, just starting this is squirrel on zippers, you know. Uh, that whole pursuit ended up in, you know, way even before, um, uh, really before bluegrass and in the, in, uh, in the era of the blues and then jazz. And that's where that picked up. But that took me, uh, the time I, you know, I was 17 when I left home. And then by the time I was about 23 or 24, I had started the zippers, so I learned a lot and did, you know, real fast. You, you mentioned squirrel nut zippers. Like, obviously, there there was a huge kind of swing revival thing going on in the '90s, and you guys, you sort of had your own unique sound. I mean, you guys kind of fit in that, but like you said, there was a lot of jazz and and blues inspired in yours. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what led to the forming of the band? Yeah, well, you know, I moved to North Carolina to pursue music, you know, because up there, there was a music scene going on. Down here where I was from, there was nothing, you know. Um, closest place might have been, maybe some stuff was going on in, in, in Atlanta, some stuff, some like punk rock and some garage rock stuff going on in Memphis. 
but not very much of anything and no labels or anything like that. Sure. And I don't know. I, I didn't really even think about it in those terms, but I just knew something about Chapel Hill seemed right uh, to me when I discovered it. So that's where I moved and then come to find out whether these, all these record labels. So I got a record deal with my first band. I started there and who's, uh, they're called metal flake mother. And actually the, our record is about to get reissued. Yep. Rock or somebody's reissuing it on vinyl. Nice. It was a really good record. I mean, so that was about 91. So I kind of hit it there a little bit and got, you know, I said, Oh shit. Well, there's record labels I could get on, you know, I never knew that. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, from there I started really to, from metal, like mother, I started writing my own stuff like pretty regularly and started really kind of writing some more like gypsy kind of stuff and cabaret kind of stuff. Yeah. I got like the Smithsonian classic jazz collection, like the thrift shop or something. And so I was listening to all the Bessie Smith and the, Duke Ellington, Louis Armstrong, and all that stuff on the record, and then kind of struck a chord because I'd seen a lot of brass bands and stuff in New Orleans, like in the nightclubs and in the streets and stuff. You know, um, when I was a teenager, I was a deckhand, you know, on the barges. Yeah, down in New Orleans. So I got to turn. I was really hitting it as a songwriter there in my early twenties. I was learning how to do it. And also getting into this older jazz uh, records that I was finding. So I immediately started wanting to learn how to do it and then how to write in that style. I was just, I wanted to know how everything worked, you know, musically. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I wanted to know how everything worked, period. But, you know, um, yeah. so I started learning the chords. The chord progressions are a lot different, you know, than rock and roll anything i had really heard but it's the roots of everything that came after um, jazz and uh so i started writing and i started just finding people around me that were interested in trying just to do something different you know like rehearsing out at my house and kind of bringing in like the old school like when you have band practice if you cook and you have people over like when i was growing up you know it was like you know, there's always a lot of people around when we were playing, you know, just like drinking beer and smoking dope and cooking and frying fish and stuff, you know. Having a great so, time, yeah. <laughs> and, and just making a party out yeah. of it. I wanted to kind of, there was not, nobody was really, that I was hanging out with up there really got that. They were all like kids, you know, grown up differently and they thought, you know, music was something different than me. And so I, I started finding people that were interested in that, and uh, and then rehearsing on all these banjos and piano and stuff we couldn't play that well, you know. <laughs> I knew some. I was learning as fast as I could the basic shapes on the guitar, chord progressions. So that's my some of my earliest stuff with the Zippers was like the inevitable. That first record was some stuff I wrote in the early '90s, you know. Um, we had a 45 single that was the first thing that came out on Merge. And there was a, those first songs there. And it was just us having fun, you know, just having fun. That's it, you know, and experimenting with this just for our own private enjoyment, being artists and not having any plan, you know. 
Yeah. What? And we well, did one gig and uh, and got a record deal with Mammoth after the one gig. Nice. And <laughs> our career just within a matter of years, it just exploded. Yeah. It just literally exploded over about two years. And uh, we started touring the southeast, and the crowds started getting bigger and bigger. Then, uh, you know, we got the break on Bob Edwards' uh, morning edition of, uh, on public radio. That jumped us off. And then, uh, you know, here comes the swing revival thing. And Hell, our song Hell, that broke on the radio. It was a really big hit on the radio. And uh, sold a lot of records, you know, like half a million records or whatever. <laughs> Well, I, like, what do you think it was that, like why why did like this swing no revival idea. like why all of a sudden i mean i loved it i was a huge uh, fan when the like neo swing stuff started in the 90s but it kind of came out of nowhere well I, I guess it didn't come out of nowhere i mean we know the roots existed but like right. it hit the scene really fast yeah. out of nowhere like and like, uh, it's it was very weird it was, i mean i guess yeah. there's some you know, there's still bands that do that, and there were, I guess, bands then that did that. Um, but why it just, you know, those are just the machinations of the music industry, man. You know, I mean, that's they decided it was going, they were going to let it happen, and so we were like some of the last true like weirdos that they let through <laughs> the through the gate. You know, I mean, like really out of the blue, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's like all right. We like the weirdos. Yeah, weird, right. you know? yeah. We, love, we love the weirdos. They're our favorites. <laughs> yeah. Which, in relation uh, to so, that, I actually yeah. had a, a very specific question, and Jay loves my very specific questions. I do. I I've been doing a little bit of a deep dive on some of your your uh, work with the Squirrel Net Zippers, and okie dokie. Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, because I often am. <laughs> okay. Okay. Did I detect any like? Boingo Boingo, specifically early era, like Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo influences. No, at all. you know, I didn't find out about them till later, you know, uh, but it was definitely yeah. that sort of art cult mentality. Yeah. Because we were into the visual art too, obviously the costuming and stuff. Um, yeah. The video for uh, Hell reminded me a lot of. I could see uh, that. Specifically, um, why am I blanking on the name? Forbidden Zone. If you've seen that film. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, but we'll yeah. see, you know, and we were also, like, heavily inspired by the Betty Boop cartoons. Like, we learned, <laughs> yeah, I learned jazz yeah. off, like, Betty Boop VHS That's fantastic. Tapes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, v- VCR tapes, you know, uh, just oh, yeah. warbly. Uh, but just the whole yeah. creepy <laughs> aesthetic, aesthetic, and uh, um, so, and that's similar to the Forbidden Zone, you know, uh, where they're yeah. really into Betty Boop and the Cab Calloway. And so that yep, was, yep. yeah, they, I found out about that much, much later, you know. Yeah. Um, Art imitates life. There was really nothing <laughs> inspiring us currently. You know, it was all, we were listening to like the Calypso stuff and Benny Goodman and Louis Armstrong. And I mean, that's what we were listening to. Well, I mean, you know, Billie Holiday for Kathy, you know, she was, had this great voice. She had never sung yeah. before, you know, C- Catherine really? had never sung in front of anybody. Wow. <laughs> not in church, not in the microphone, anywhere. So that uh, voice comes so, out of somebody who was not normally a singer. Correct. <laughs> it's Congratulations. It's well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it was just a weird thing, man. You know, it's like, I think anytime anything big like that happens, it's just, 
fate and just weird luck and timing, man. You know, I mean, that's yeah. really what it is. You know, you can plan that. And so that's almost coming up on 30 years, you know, I've been doing that group, you know. So yeah. It's quite a long time. Yeah. I mean, to me, it doesn't feel like that long ago, but... <laughs> yeah, it really Right. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, the Oingo Boingo thing's fair enough, you know. Um, and it's like Kurt Weill, you know, the German composer that did the Three Penny Opera. That was a big one for yeah. me and for us. Um, just listen to that weird German take on American <laughs> jazz. They, they get a little wrong. And just the weird uh, lyrics, you know, the poetic weirdness of the lyrics and yeah. the black humor, you know, black humor, sarcasm, you know, those types of things, sure. similar to the Oingo, <laughs> Oingo Boingo cult, you know. And, you know, our videos, if you ever look at, like, uh, Suits Are Picking Up the Bill or... You know, uh, the first put a lid on it video, and hell, even we're like Lawrence Welk people. I mean, we, you know, we had some good video <laughs> content, you yeah, know, and the fun. Ghost of Stephen really Foster fun. video. Yeah, your guys' yeah, videos for, are a ton of fun. They really are. Yeah. They're fun to watch. Yeah. They're enjoyable. Yeah. Usually yeah. eating a Twinkie after you talk about uh, cakes that have been made yeah. out of bones <laughs> that get passed around. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, Dude, just this Twinkie here. It's, like, it's oh, dark it's humor, you know. It's, it's dark cake. humor. <laughs> and that's our specialty, you know. So we've uh, we've both read different things, so I guess we'll just come right out and ask. Yeah. Uh, okay. Where did the name from the band come from? Because I read it came from Moonshine. Oh. <laughs> and I heard it came from Candy. Both, uh, yeah. So the Candy was named after some bootleg liquor in the 20s. There you go. Oh, all right. Uh, all right. Which was called a nut zipper, I guess. It was made from in bathtubs or something during the Prohibition. But I started eating those squirrel nut zippers candies in uh, North Carolina. Um, <clears throat> when I moved up there, I was driving a backhoe, and they had sold them at this little store where we had a, were working for a couple of weeks. And we were thinking the name of a band, and somebody said, like, they said a candy name, you know. Um, and I said, oh, what about squirrel nut zippers? You know, that's a candy. And so, yeah, that was it. We named it, and then we developed a relationship with the company. And uh, it was an old company from the 20s. Yeah, we were, like, instrumental in, like, saving their company. I was going to say, is it still around? I want, I want to try one. <laughs> I've never, yeah, I've, you I've can find them. Look, look, look I've online. Googled it. Look online. All right. Uh, I'm seeing it on candyblog.com. Well, I'm going to have to order some. But uh, it's just things. a cool yeah. name, man. It, it is a great name. Candy, name. Yeah. It's a great name. I We, we often discuss, like, um, in the history of band names, who some of the best ones are. And I've always thought, if, it's, if it stands out, if, like... Instantly, you know who everybody's yeah. talking about, or if it just holds a place in your your brain, you can't let it go. Those are some of the best yeah. names, you know. To Scrolling uh, up zippers is one you won't forget. You know? yeah. yeah, we say all the time on on the show. Like um, one of the things we get to do here that not everybody can do is we get to reach out to the people we actually want to talk to, and the people that we find interesting. Yeah. It's not like yeah, you know that's that's kind of the beauty. Of by what we do here, and we've got to talk to some incredible people and some great musicians over the last uh, couple of years, and so it's always it's always fun for us to, to hear other people's stories. Yeah. I I do have to ask you, um, yes, before you know before we get much further in, uh, so 
Rosetta Patton and Charlie Patton. I know yeah. you grew up yeah. uh, around Rosetta. Yeah. You knew her really well. Yeah. So I have to ask yeah. how much influence Charlie had. I mean, just no, hearing about him and knowing about him on on your music and, and the genres that you chose. Well, like other things in my life, I didn't find out about that until much later. Wow. I didn't find out about that until after I was up in my 20s and was already um, doing the zippers and already was like trying to learn, had been trying to learn Charlie Patton, and he was my favorite amongst all the blues men of the initial Delta Blues, Delta blues guys. Right. And uh, so I didn't find out about that until after I already had come to his music independently. Uh, and Rosetta never spoke of it because um, that's not the kind of thing you would brag on. Your father was a <laughs> alcoholic, um, yeah. wasn't wasn't in the church, played the blues, it's the devil's music, played at the house of prostitution and alcohol and gambling. And, she, you know, Rosetta's mom uh, was Miss Brown was, uh, you know, she was in the Baptist church. Yeah. So was Rosetta. So it's not the kind of thing you would brag about. It's so weird. She never mentioned it until I went and, t- and mentioned it to her, and then she told me. Like you just, so, you've had all these weird connections that over the years, I know, and you didn't even know. I know it's crazy. I know. <laughs> I, know. I love how it blows your mind as much as it blows ours. <laughs> just like, wait a minute, it blows on. my mind. And you're like, day, I know, right? I mean, it is. It and is almost a- fate, right? It's just like this. None of this stuff was intentional. It just sort of happened. Which yeah. is, it was not intentional, yeah. but I just, I stayed on the trail of like learning and re- researching and digging into the roots. And the more I found it, everything came back here to where I was from anyway. But I didn't know that at the time. Like I didn't know about William Faulkner until I moved to North Carolina. And, uh, and I'm, I'm from Oxford. I'm in, living in Oxford right now. I was born here. So I never even knew about William Faulkner. Wow. And so, you know, I, all these things I found out later uh, made it click when I realized it. Yeah, that's, you that's know, pretty insane. Just think it's like, okay, I'm on the right trail. Yes, you, know? <laughs> you definitely were. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> something was steering yeah. you there. More, almost definitely, something was steering you there. But, so. you know, I mean, I'm as close to anybody out there to Charlie Patton. Yeah. You know, through Rosette, through her daughters, through her granddaughters, through her great grandsons. Uh, I'm sorry, great great grandsons. Now, uh, Keisha has two boys, so um, you know Charlie has two male descendants yeah. at this point. They're about fourteen, thirteen, fourteen, and they live over in the Delta still. That's and, really cool. Uh, so I'm as close to anybody to him ever uh, at this point. You know, that's really cool. Yeah. Except really cool. their immediate immediate family, and then also researching his music and wanting to understand it you yeah. know just mind-blowing but i appreciate you mentioning rosetta man yeah like so yeah. we we like to read and find out and and when you read certain things it's like i kind of have to ask that because it's so fascinating just yeah yeah you know and then when you tell us no i didn't even know that makes it even crazier it's like i said yeah. somebody's steering you i mean <laughs> somebody's yeah. steering you down the right path I, so i yes. didn't even try to do that it's really you know? cool really cool uh you got these folklorists that try to find people and they just found me um but you know i I talked to a lot of people and they say that songs for rosetta record i did back in 96 97 people are very popular now pokey lafarge and 
um, who all told me, Don, Dom, uh, Clemens, and um, uh, Reverend Peyton, and all these artists out there, like, that was their, their big record that changed their life, you know? Wow. Uh, to string yeah. band and all this other kind of stuff, you know? Um, so people, it, yeah. it made an impact out there. Along the lines of, you know, being on the right path and, you know, kind of working your way through this life, apparently, uh, <laughs> you you also got to work with Buddy Guy. Um He's one of the most influential blues guitar players. Like, are you are you just trying to find the best and work with them, and or just you know does it just kind of magically pop up? When I think we kind of already know that you know sometimes <laughs> you just seem to stumble into it. Which uh, either way, man, that's that's awesome that you would just stumble into working with Buddy Guy. But what what was that like? It just magically popped up. <laughs> so oh, man, cool. I love that. You know. Um, <laughs> Well, it's word of mouth. You know, after a while, my, sure. I started getting the reputation reputation as somebody that could do sh- different shit. You know, right? Yeah. <clears throat> that nobody else could really do. And so, you know, it was word of mouth that got me to Dennis Herring, who was the producer of that record, and it was his concept. You know, to do that hill country blues with Buddy Guy and uh, and this whole deal. And so, yeah, we had a conversation on the phone. He called me and um, said he wanted to talk. And he said, you know, Ethan told me down in New Orleans, said, you're the guy I'm looking for. And I was like, yeah, I I am. You know, I know Spam, the drummer, you know, that you're trying to go for. Uh, Spam's been on the road with with, with the zippers, with C-Model Ford, you know, and I know you know, I can be your spirit guide and translator, <laughs> you know, to, to spam. And, uh, who was the drummer. And, and, uh, so yeah, I, I laid all this groundwork like playing with T model and Robert Belfort and digging in on RL Burnside. Again, I didn't know that stuff was here when I was here. RL Burnside, junior Kimbrough, you know, change rock and roll. They're right here in Marshall County, right over there. And I didn't know that until I was up in Carolina. <laughs> so when I told him that, I said, yeah, I'm your dude. I'm, I'll, I'll study up on junior style and uh, I'll help you arrange this shit. Uh, put it in some form that um, we can translate to Buddy, you know, and get him to make him do it. And that's what we did, you know. I mean, uh, it was something that he, we, it was challenging for him, you know, to try this new thing, these one-chord jams, you know. Sure. Um, and these uh, just simple prim- primordial, primal lyric moaning the blues, literally, not nothing fancy. Spam beats on the drum, you know, these droning trance things. And, uh, yeah, it was a big psychological warfare, man, to, to get him to do that. <laughs> well, it worked. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> I mean, you you can hear the frustration and the just pure, like, <laughs> fuck it all in his playing and singing. They're just which ads. Is the, which is what yeah. Dennis wanted. Yeah. yeah. Dennis wanted to push him like that. Yeah. And so I was, it was good cop, bad cop, and I was, I was good cop. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Dennis was bad cop, and that was my first step into a real bigger producing situation, too. So to learn from Dennis and go through that like three week session, you know, I was like, yeah. 
we'd done all our records in a couple of days, you know. Wow. And so this was big time for me, and I learned a lot, man. And again, that was here, and it brought me back here to Oxford, <laughs> Mississippi. Dennis had started this studio, Sweet Tea, in Oxford, you know, where I was born. That's and cool. I came back that summer to do that record. I was like, well, Oxford's gotten kind of cool, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Fat possums <laughs> here and shit. And uh, again, it kind of just slapped me in the face. Well, you've, and it was in a few few years I moved back here. You've gotten to do some, I mean, just uh, your career. I mean, not only the people that it's led you to meet, but the, the experiences you've you've had because of it. I mean, you know, you played at the Olympics. You did a, a presidential inauguration. I mean, that's not not too many people can yeah. say that. Sesame so, Street. We did you were on Sesame, Sesame Street. Street, right. So, I mean, it just yeah. it's pretty cool the things that <laughs> you've... Googling that now. <laughs> Pretty cool the things like, you've gotten to do, not not just with zippers, but with in your solo career as well. I mean, oh. you've you yourself, you've done what like seventeen, eighteen albums, something, something like that. Like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I yep. mean, it's you're no slouch, that's for sure. Um, no, I've had prolific output, you know, and uh, and uh, I've been blessed to just um, you know meet great labels and have great experiences, yeah. you know, overall with all the. Man, you know, I mean, I worked very hard, and I didn't make a lot of money from the zippers thing, really none. Yeah. <laughs> uh, after the lawsuits and everything, um, I was it was I was cleaned out, so that you know didn't really hold over. So you know, well, it's, um, but sucks. I've been blessed to have every time I get discouraged or whatever, something comes along, go, hey, let's put out two or three records and get a, see what kind of songs you got. Okay, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that sucks to hear. Sing, because play you, guitar, piano, drums. Yeah, I love it. You put out some really just fun stuff to listen to. So it's, you know, I mean, just going back through it, like I said, I, one of the things we we really try to encourage people to do, you know, a lot of people probably know the zippers, but we always tell people, yeah, now go listen to everything else too, because yeah, they're right. doing they're doing sure. some just killer stuff, and it's yeah. it's easy to get caught up in the mainstream, and that's great, and I appreciate it. But deep dive, deep dive into everybody you love. If you hear a song you like, go check out everything they do. Chances are you're going to become an Uber fan and realize that they do all kinds of stuff and they put out great content. You definitely do that. We're pretty appreciative of thank you, thank of the you. things that you've given. It's a crazy time, but it's a it's a good life, man. It's it's uh, being a musician. I I know it can be tough at times, but you give the world so much that you know. Well, like I say, man, you know, it just keeps encouraging me when I when I think I'm about ready to give it up. Something happens, and I'm blessed with a supporter who wants to make records, or a manager that can do something with me, yeah. you know, or a booking agent that's really good and conscientious and kind, good bandmate, songs. You know, I keep writing songs. And uh, getting ideas, you know, for productions, different marionette theater, you name it. And so, you know, the creativity keeps me moving. And the, and the uh, help I get along the way and the encouragement, like, stop talking with you guys, man. It's it's super nice, man. I appreciate y'all. We appreciate you. Know. you. Well, boys, it's really <laughs> been nice talking to yeah, you. Yeah, you too. I appreciate you so much. We, uh, hey, we no thank problem. you for God your time. God bless y'all, man. Have, have a great year. You too. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate you giving us a few minutes. Thank you, guys. Thank you. You have a good one. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bustedtees.com. Like T-shirts? I I have a question. 
Why have you not already gone there and started buying all the cool geeky gear they offer? Look, I'm not just saying this because they're a sponsor. I mean, they are, so it helps. But I'm saying this because it's true and because we love you and we want to see you smile, boo. They have retro movie, game, and pop culture-inspired clothing and apparel, and their stuff is amazing. Go over, drop some gear in your cart, then drop our promo code at checkout. That's my name, Jason, 25945, and they're going to hook you up with a sweet discount. You're happy, we're happy, peace falls across the world, and you look badass when it happens. That code again is Jason25945, and that website is BustedTees.com. Designs that pop culture. All right, so there you go. There was our interview. Uh, As always, we want to thank Jimbo for coming on. Please, everyone, go check him out. We really appreciate that. And everybody we talk to on the show and all the music we play on the show. Please, sir, go have a listen. Please go listen. (laughs) Hey, uh, we would be remiss if we didn't toot our own horns a little bit. I mean, we all beep, toot, beep. We all toot <laughs> our horns, you know, but let's toot them a little bit more. Uh, please subscribe to this show. We really appreciate it. Um, it's always really cool when I get to go on and see the, like, uh, sometimes we don't notice, like, it. you don't realize how many, like, people are listening, and then you go and you look at the stats, and you're like, oh, that's really cool. So we really appreciate each and every one of you. And as you see, we don't just sit on our laurels. We actually uh, are out there, like, trying to expand all the time. The YouTube channel is a huge way we've done that. Our TikTok is a huge way we've done that. So please check us out on all our social media. There are links on the website. You can go over and click the link tree and all that and get to wherever you want to go. You can follow all of us, too. I don't really do a lot on Instagram. But I am there occasionally. Matt handles our Instagram for the show. So that would yeah. probably be, you'd probably be better off following that one than my personal one. But you can. I'd be cool with it. I just don't go on there much. And um, I will respond to any messages you send. Uh, yeah. It may not be the same day, but you'll get a response. So. Uh, with that being said, you can write us too at yourmixtapepodcast at gmail.com. And I will respond to any messages you, sh- you send. And I will try to do it in the same day, but I can't promise that either. Uh, you can leave us a voicemail. Matt, would you like to tell us how they can leave us a voicemail? Not that any of you ever do, because you don't love us. But you can. Matt. Oh. Hey, guys. If you'd like to call, he starts it off leave early. us a saucy little voicemail. Hey, guys. You can do so by picking up the phone, taking your finger, and dialing 513-437-2377. Again. That is 513-HE-RAD-77. <laughs> I don't know what there that was. Uh, <laughs> I don't um, know what that was. But I- hey, by the way, Matt, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to disagree with Matt. You don't have to use your finger. You can call us any way you want. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you clarify what you mean by I that. Mean, sure. Listen, yeah. you don't have to use your finger. Just don't Touch tell us what you did very use. Sensitive and, yeah. uh, no cake shape, but do your do others a favor and just kind of wipe the you know your phone. No, your off, screen, so. do whatever you want. Just don't yeah. tell us about if it. If it's your work phone, use your finger. Look, we live no. in the age of Corona. <laughs> what if they you don't want to spread germs. You know? Oh God, <laughs> we have problems. Yeah, uh, smartphones are 
great devices, but uh, <laughs> how smart are limit, they? Limit what they opinions you use. Yeah. So yeah. we've got some really cool shit coming up in the future. There are some things we want to talk about here on the show, things that have been brought up. Uh, we're going to be working on a Chris Farley episode um, because Ooh. why not? Because Kevin wanted to do it, and we're like, well, hell, we'll talk about Chris Farley. That would be awesome. And we're going to do it in a van somewhere. Down by the down river. By the river. By the <laughs> God, there's so much that we could talk about. That could be. Yep. Um, hey, I don't know if anybody saw it. I posted it up on our Facebook page, but Mel Brooks is releasing a Fortnite. Yeah. History of the World Part Two. Um, I think I it's know. on. Is it on the History Channel or Hulu? I don't. It might be God. Hulu. Dudes, that it, man is a national. Treasure. It looks awesome. Everybody who's anybody is a part of it. Please, uh, if you haven't watched the trailer, do that. It's it's amazing. You know, I think it's pretty wonderful because we were talking about him at work the other day, even before we knew about this, and I was like, you know, he's got to be getting up there. I'm a, I was I was referring a girl I work with to she likes to read and we got to talking about stuff and I said I don't know how I brought it up but I brought up Max Brooks and I was like yeah it's Mel Brooks' son but they're like drastically different he wrote World War Z which I highly recommend and Devolution which I highly recommend and she like went out and she's like hey I got World War Z I'm I'm starting to read it and then I was we started talking about Mel Brooks and I was like man he's got to be up there in age and he hasn't done anything in a while and well, he's then, close to 100 i think yeah and then like two weeks later i'm like i see the preview and i'm like oh sweet history like, oh he did two. something yeah at some yeah. point we're, we're we want to do like a massive two-parter about mel brooks and it has to be a two-parter oh, yeah. because it's gonna have to be yeah yeah because yeah. there's early and then later stuff so i mean these are some of the topics we have more band stuff more music stuff we're going to be talking about as always uh, more interviews coming up we actually have one uh not till april but we lined up an interview and i'm just giddy <laughs> all over so yeah um you know how we like to tease and we'll tease a while till we get there but please uh head over to the website check out everything there follow links there's links in the show notes to everything please visit our sponsor which is bustedtees.com you will see that promo code uh which i don't know <laughs> off the top of my head it's my name that's all i do know <laughs> it's it's like Jason two nine five four five or something like that. Uh, something like that. That's probably not right. So I don't have it pulled up in front of me. But the easiest ways to go over to the website. Jason two five nine four five. Damn, I got that shit right. Jason two nine five four five. If you put that in at checkout over at bustedtees.com, you'll get a pretty nice discount, and it helps us out a lot. So please go over and do. And they got cool shit, so it's worth it. Um, so please do that as well. Please share the show. Uh, what else, guys? Don't let me forget stuff. Please go over and check out all the friends of the show over on our website, too. They deserve some love. Hey, I mentioned the Twisted Kid and the YouTube stuff. Uh, and We mentioned you could go over to YouTube and search that. You can also go to the website. There is a Twisted Kid page, and it will take you right to the videos there. So you can do that. We don't care how you watch them. We just want you to watch them. Yeah. So please check all that out. I'm done. Guys, closing thoughts? Swing music. Give us some closing thoughts. We didn't ask you guys. Uh, I'll, give, I'll give you a how into thought. swing music were you guys at the time, and what are your thoughts of swing music? And then we'll hear whatever. I'll, I'll tell you real quick. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed swing music when it came out. Uh, again, the revival of it, and uh, so much so that there may or may not exist a photo of me at prom wearing a zoot suit. Oh, dude, that's awesome. Oh, I love it. I love that you wore a zoot suit to prom. May exist. Yeah. 
Well, didn't it needs a, to be. Didn't have a fedora, but needs uh, to be sure. sent over so we can put a picture on our website. Yeah, I'll have to see if I can find it and scan it in. Uh, this is, is something if we can Cap Callaway. If Damn. we can find yeah. this picture, guys, it, it needs to go up on our our uh, be on Instagram. Yeah. yeah, and our Instagram, so it'll be up on Facebook. May have had a spiky bleach blonde hair. That's amazing. Time. I have bleach blonde hair at one point in time too. I just don't know where those pictures are. That was an so accident. Did I. <laughs> <laughs> looking like looking like Simon from. <laughs> from Demolition, Demolition Man. Man. <laughs> this is the return of Kevin number two. It's the Kevin yeah. number two revival. Yeah, you're just supposed to have a bleach blonde goatee and yeah, what red eyes? Red eyes. <laughs> It'd be a terrible person. He said, "So did I." I'm gonna uh, punch a homeless guy in the face. What the fuck? <laughs> Kevin number two's back, motherfuckers. Oh, God. So, I love it so much. Uh, I'm just going to clip that. Just, <laughs> so, Kevin, Kevin number two, could we please talk to Kevin number one for a moment? Uh, what did Kevin number one, Well, uh, what were your feelings uh, back in the day on the whole swing revival? Well, I mean, I wasn't, you know, uh, you know doing the Charleston, you know, uh, you know, drunk because I was underage. But... You know, I did thoroughly, you know, enjoy you know swing music. Under uh, you were not underage by nineteen ninety seven and ninety eight. Yeah, good point. I could, you know, <laughs> it's like, I was lying. Yeah, I was, like, yeah, I was, I was making shit up now. Yeah, I, I, you know, sometimes I try to young myself down for the show, you know, <laughs> like because us the millennials, you know, yeah, you know, we we try to you know try to stay hip with the youth, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I'm like a young millennial. I'm almost like Generation Z now. So he's yeah, older than me, guys. <laughs> I know Matt's like, what are you talking about? I'm younger <laughs> than you. <laughs> well, let me get my walker. <laughs> Fuckers. Just aging himself and rapidly <laughs> aging me. And, and, and me as well, because I'm older than both of you. Well, uh, put my teeth in and we'll go on out. We'll go on I out got that weird the, Benjamin Button disease. We'll go on out no, to the Ponderosa. I'll get me a salad bar. <laughs> make, make, make sure. You know, I am down for a good salad. So, make sure uh, that know. it has some uh, jello on it because that's about all I can do. Do you got peas? I like peas. I got to be mashed peas. <laughs> what are we doing? I don't have teeth anymore. Okay. So. Oh, the tangents. <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's let everybody go. Everybody loves our tangents. They don't know what we're talking yeah, about. They're fans. But we love it. All right. So there you go. That was our swing episode. Stick around. Uh, we've got more stuff to come. Hey, and you can always write us your mixtape podcast at gmail.com and let us know if you have any ideas for shows. We got some really cool stuff planned, though, so don't be surprised by some of it. Uh, we have another remakes who did it better episode coming up. We have another same song different name episode coming up on top of just we have a plethora like a list of stuff that we can talk about but we are always open to suggestions and if we get listener suggestions and we like it we'll probably do yours next so you can always write us your mixtape podcast at gmail.com please share subscribe to this and youtube that's all i got anybody have any closing thoughts before we shut this bad boy off all right. Well, by the way, uh, uh, actually, yes, a future episode at some point in time, Jay, we've kind of discussed it off air, but uh, the strange trend of, hey, you like this band? 
there's a Christian version of it too. Oh God! Oh. Um, it has been Christian so, rock. It has been 90s. discussed. Uh, uh, there was a Christian, Christian rock, rock swing movement as well. It is a of course. Matt and I yep. have and discussed. I was a fan. The so. awkwardness of that episode is going to be fantastic, but there will be yep. a Christian rock episode because yes. at one point in time, Matt and I. Were I, I legitimately listened to a ska you pl- version of Did you play in a Christian Grant rock band, you nerd? A couple of them, yeah. <laughs> which is so... Swing dancing Jesus. Which is so swinging with Jesus. <laughs> Cherry popping Jesus. Swinging <laughs> oh. <laughs> with Jesus. Uh, that sounds wrong. <laughs> yeah. Matt, it's so weird. If you guys knew Matt today, the fact that he ever played in a Christian band is like, what? Because Matt's like, like no way, yeah. you know. So we Slayer. appreciate everybody. Uh, stick around for all that stuff. And remember, guys, until next time, we have the opportunity to speak with you all to always stay, stay awesome. awesome. <laughs> about future calamity. I used to think the idea was obsolete until I heard the old man dampen his feet. <laughs> yeah, you definitely gotta... Yeah, I learned the hard way. You really gotta watch what you do. There was you got a VPN on there. Messed up. You have a VPN. <laughs> like weird ape masturbators popping up. <laughs> this? this is a place where like, eternally Yeah.